Good morning. Welcome to Coffee with Jim, impactful healthcare discussions with influential thought leaders. It's always a great morning when I get to start the day with Dr. Toyosi Timi Olutade, Chief Medical Officer, Unity Point Health Trinity. Dr. Olutade wears many other hats too, husband, dad, and much more as we'll discover. Timmy, great to have you here this morning. Thank you, Jim. It's a pleasure to join you. Well, before we dig into our leadership discussion, Collaborating Differently, the new leadership challenge for 2023, I have some uh, curveballs to ask you. Timmy, are you ready? Yes, hit me. <laughs> Here's the first one. Favorite sports team? Arsenal. Ah, uh, I think I knew that one. And you're just cautiously happy, you know. <laughs> We'll keep that cautious optimism going. Second, favorite place for a family holiday? Wow, that's tough. <laughs> I really don't know. No, no, no. But Disney World has been the best. <laughs> well, if I understand correctly, you're fortunate at the moment to have some grandparents for your kids in town. It's a joy to see that interaction. And the grandparents are no longer some some people somewhere. They're actually relating to our kids. And you know, that interaction has been fantastic. You see, as you know, grandparents no longer know how to discipline kids. So you can see that you wonder, say, why, why, why didn't you raise it up that way? You know? <laughs> so, so we always see, we see our, the grandkids getting a pass on everything, but it's okay. We're not jealous. It's just, we, we're just enjoying that interaction. Good for you. Well, let's dig in here this morning. As we know, we cannot go back to 2019, right? Those pre-COVID days. And so let's set forth an optimistic vision for 2023. Hence our theme, New Leadership Challenge, Collaborating Differently. I want to say to you, congratulations on your recent leadership roles, especially the last few years. And you know, nationally and globally, we're seeing an incredible acceleration of change happening in healthcare now due to internal and external forces, making leadership more important than ever. So to help us understand what has influenced your leadership style, who are some of the leaders and or people that have shaped you and or that you admire? Yeah, thanks, Jim. I'll start by saying that uh, I probably never penned it down that I wanted to be a leader. In my profession, my life, it's really about how do I make a difference in people's lives and, and it's about influence. As you do that intentionally and consistently, doors of opportunities would open for you to walk into. Some of the people that have uh, inspired me and, and I still admire, one of them is Bishop T.D. Jakes. You know, I'm a Christian, so I have a, I've been listening to him for a long time, but I got to understand him a little bit better over the past few years, just seeing how he's intentional about making an impact on people and helping people understand their purpose and therefore connecting them to their purpose. He goes beyond the straight jacket of a box of Christian leader or pastor to just becoming a leader and a leader of people and making a difference in people's lives. So you see a lot of the other engagement is he's involved with, um, starting helping with humanitarian crisis, helping with reintegrate offenders into the system. And he's also a businessman. Uh, it's a multifaceted leadership. So it's it's fascinating to see that and see how he excels in every area. It means that you know, I don't just have to be a doctor. I can also be a doctor and a, and a leader. I can be a doctor. I can also be a good husband. I can be a, a good father. You can lead everywhere you are. So that is, is one of those. And um, I also admire someone like Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry is, uh, is someone that he is, a, is the embodiment of tenacity, of turning your pain into purpose and not talking about what was done 
to him, but really turning the situation into a positive. Well, this is for me. And you can see how he's excelled. And it's interesting to know his story that he was turned down many times. His first script was not accepted by anyone. And so he decided to do it himself. And now the people that turned him down actually calling for him now. So you can see how he's done that. And also the way that he has built people up, you know, putting the spotlight on other people that, that may have been forgotten. He's uses skills and talents to help others climb up. And when you say Tyler Perry, you're talking about the American actor, filmmaker, entrepreneur. Yeah. In him too, you see the multifaceted nature of, of being a leader and um, in many areas. And so that I'm drawn to those people who have been able to do that and also infuse what they do with their faith, yet not making it spooky. Excellent. I had the pleasure to meet someone else that you admire and who influences you, and that is uh, Ruth, your wife. Yes, absolutely. I would say that if you're looking for strength, quiet strength, um, that is finding in Ruth. If you're looking for wisdom, you find in her. If you're looking for unyielding support and loyalty, uh, you find it in her. It's amazing how things turn around when I listen to her. And, uh, <laughs> she's a wealth of wisdom, and you know, sometimes uh, I have my thoughts, she has her thoughts. But at the end of the day, her ideas are always the better one. So I've come to learn that. Of course, I still buck that sometimes, but yeah, she's, I admire the way she, she serves other people, putting others first. She taught me what it means to, to love. Yes, absolutely. She's someone that I'm so blessed to have in my life. Bravo. You're a very fortunate man. That's right. To have Ruth in your life. Some years ago, you were named CMO right at the beginning of the pandemic, March 2020. In receiving that role, what was the best advice that helped you prepare at that time? Maybe a few things. When opportunities come, just walk in. You may not be the most prepared, but you just need to take the first step. And that you will never know everything. Take the first step. I think another one is, is really that you cannot do life alone. Uh, do not think that you're coming here as the expert and so you're going to solve everything. Come in uh, with humility and understand that the people you're with in the room may actually have the best ideas. Be willing to learn and be willing to put your hand to work a day at a time, things will pan out. I think another one was really understanding that sometimes it fly alone. You should be prepared sometimes. It could be a little lonely. Yet in those moments, if you have a good network of friends and relationships that you've developed, even though it's lonely, you still hear their voices. You still feel their warmth. You're able to go through those difficult times. Well, you set up a fascinating kind of paradox, which is collaborating differently and being prepared for leadership being lonely, hence eagles flying alone. Others have said about you, he, uh, Dr. Elatati is very good at empowering others. Tell us about a tough decision you had to make during your term so far as CMO. One of the tougher decisions that have been made really had to do with a group of physician friends or providers that have been providing care in a hospital for a long time. Not a unilateral decision. I was just part of the those that were were helping to shape the direction we're heading as a as an organization. And we had a group of sixteen very good providers in Anastasia that providing care in our community a couple of decades. And we had tried to work together to continue to align our future together, to work together. It did not pan out that way. I think pivot into to what we know that our community needs, our patients need, and ensuring that even though it will be tough to break away previous established relationships, sometimes those, those are moments that allow you to grow into what you know that you can really become. That's been clearly one of the toughest, partly because I knew many of the doctors personally. Again, that's one of the challenges in leadership. You have to make decisions as to what is best at the end of the day, our focus on the patients, so what is best for the patients and the community that we serve and, and the organization. How can the organization best deliver on its promise. 
that decision had to be made. It, it was a tough one, but it has set us up on the right path, actually, because since then, those pivotal moments help you to evolve into who you could become. Thank you for that story. Another tough one is as a physician, you see more death than others. How do you keep yourself resilient when you do see death around you? Death is um, just very tough to deal with overall. And when you're directly involved in the care of the patients or you oversee an area where I'm bound to encounter death, it's really understanding sometimes it is a, it's a better outcome, really, uh, for some people, even though there's some pain here. How do you help people and families to work through that very, very challenging moment, knowing that there's sorrow, there's grief of loss? And yet, um, for some people, it actually launches them into, for those that believe, it's into a better place. Ending their own pain and suffering here. But in dealing with that, it's the big question is always, have I done my best for the patient and the family? Have I given my all? And it's really not about treating a disease state or condition. It's really about the whole patient. Did I give my best to the patient? Was I able to help the patient navigate through this, through the illness of the, in a way that was dignifying to the patient? And um, did I give my everything? And those are the questions I ask. And if I'm able to answer affirmatively that I gave my best and I helped the patient and a family to even get to this, to the point of probably even sometimes accepting that this could be an, an outcome, then it's easier to deal with. Um, it's easier to, to deal with. At, at the same time, as a leader, in, as chief medical officer, you ravine all mortalities, all deaths in your organization. You want to ensure that that is the same thing that is going on, that we have done the best for our patients. And when we see gaps in care, when we see things that we can learn from, absolutely, we got to learn from it. It would be ideal to say that no one dies in your hospital, uh, but it is not realistic. We know that as a part of the life cycle of life, but you just want to ensure that happens in a way that is dignifying to the patients. And once you, once you see that, even when there's sorrow and, and families crying and cheerful, I have, I've cried with families as well. And I, I've walked through that. As long as you've been able to, to do your best, present yourself, you've made a difference in that patient's life, even though they're passing on, you know that you've made a difference in their lives. That takes care of um, the angst or the sorrow that you may feel. Well, that's a powerful story of your empathy as a leader and how you collaborate with families that way. If we were to kind of shift gears a little bit in helping other patients who are not at end of life, how about those patients and or families who are science deniers, who don't feel comfortable with the medical guidance or, or information? How do you handle those folks? It's one of the things that came to limelight, especially at the peak of the pandemic. I know these folks could be called science deniers. I would just put it that it's a decision that they have made based on the information that they have. I always like this part of the scripture that says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So what is the truth? I think you, you have to validate the concerns that people have. You have to validate their thought on their choices. Your job is really to help people understand what is facts and what is fiction, what is the truth. There's no way you can engage with people without already calling them names or berating them for the choices that they have made. You have to understand that people make choices based on what? Or the information that they have. So how do I help people to understand the information that I'm that I have that has been proven as fact and has been shown to offer benefits to the majority of people. How do I help people understand that? If they do not understand it, it's my job to help them to understand that. So, and even if we can agree to disagree, we should do that based on facts. And I will listen to opinions and, and ideas too, because I understand that people have had legitimate concerns and I'll listen to what they're sharing as to their concerns. And people always tell me, well, I'll go back to the pandemic times or we're still dealing with COVID. Someone got COVID shot and she got COVID. 
COVID anyway. So why should I receive the shot? So helping people understand their questions and their concerns and helping people see the whole picture. I think that's, that's how I work with them. Even a handful of colleagues that I've had to walk through this, I have patients and I have families. Uh, we've just had a dialogue, respectful dialogue about and separating facts from fiction. You know, if we turn the clock back several years to understand your evolution to where you are today, you really had to make some significant sacrifices. You also had to learn some different languages, frankly, to go through medical school. One of the additional languages you speak is Russian. Tell us about that. Do you use that language at all today? Oh, uh, yes, uh, Jim. Learning the Russian language to me was just one of the most fascinating and times in my life and living in Russia. I lived in Russia for over seven years without knowing a single word in Russian before going there. I spent the first year in language school. I studied medicine in Russian. Believe it or not, when I was coming to the U.S. for my residency or preparing for the exams and the boards, I had to relearn medicine in English. And so I had to just, you know, change the way I was thinking. I love being in Russia. It, it was an interesting time in my life in that I knew nobody there. There were fair, not many people that were like me uh, from, from African countries there or from African her heritage or from any other part of the world. So it was a great time where you got to see the value of people. In my college then, you see it was a college itself was a mix of people from all over the world. We had students from over 40 countries there. And so it was it was a very good time to learn about different people, different cultures. At the same time, understanding that the, we, as people, we have essentially the same value. People are people people like people, uh, you get actually the best out of them. So it, it was a fantastic time. And I still speak Russian now. I'd followed a lot of Russian politics and news because I was a politics junkie in my days in Russia. So I, I was still following a little bit. It has been tough to see the headlines because a lot of people that I related with in Russia were just very good people. Professors, my classmates, my colleagues. And Ukraine was very close to the city where I studied. So you had a lot of Ukrainian influence there. You see Ukraine and Russia, I regarded them as brothers, sisters, the nations, however I want to call them, um, because you see Ukrainians that have a lot, half of their relatives are Russians and vice versa, uh, at least in the part of Russia where I was at. And so to see what is happening, it's been disheartening. It's been sad because, again, this is families of people. I'm not sure they're closer people than the Russian and the Ukraine. They have such a history together. And just to see what is happening happen, it's very sad and disheartening. It is hard to see that. What brought you there originally? I was on a scholarship to go to Russia. My mom, interestingly, was a big proponent to go, of going to Russia. You think it's my mom that would want me to stay at home. My dad, on the other hand, wanted me to stay back in Nigeria. And then it was really a leap of faith. I did not know anyone that had gone to Russia. I heard of one or two people. But I really thought at that time, which was in 98, my limited knowledge of world politics, and it was that Russia was a superpower and the United States was a superpower. So I, I knew more about what was going on in the United States. And then I, I really thought that Russia would be just a similar United States, but in another part of the world. So that they had a lot to offer, though. But then um, Russia was really engaged with, uh, with Nigeria and many other developing countries in trying to educate their people. There was a scholarship award that I, I got. And um, another friend of mine from Nigeria, who is now an engineer, we took off together uh, for Russia. So that's how our journey to Russia began. It's amazing to meet Russians now with, um, with friends because, you know, 
we had friends from French-speaking African countries or from, from the Middle East who spoke mostly Arabic, and we had to interact in Russian. It uh, wasn't just Russians that we were speaking to in Russia. Even other international students were speaking with in Russia. As I said, it was a melting pot of cultures from all over the world, from South America to Eastern Europe to Middle East to Asia, a lot of Indian, Sri Lanka, from African countries. I mean, we're all there. That was just a fantastic time. Well, this is one of the many things that I have always appreciated about you, Timmy, your curiosity about other cultures and your hands-on real-life experiences in living in other cultures and knowing the language. Because as you know well, knowing the language is an important part, not the only part, but an important part of getting to know the psychology and the culture of another place. I sense that all of those experiences have helped shape you. Let's turn that to how has your CMO role changed you? The CMO role that I'm in, I would like to believe that it has not really changed me, but it has helped me to, to have a better, a more holistic understanding of what healthcare is, or what my profession is, what my career is. A lot of areas that I was oblivious to in terms of delivering care, more understanding better the value of not only clinicians, but non-clinicians in delivering uh, great care. I think that, that has been amazing for me to see. It has been a revelation to, to understand that when the financial guy is crunching numbers and sharing with you, it's not because he's looking at numbers, it's helping you to deliver care in a, in a way that is sustainable for many years to come. When um, I need to admit a patient to a room and before then, the environmental services team has come to make the room clean and ready to go. There are just so many areas to healthcare that I, I did not realize. So that has broadened my horizon and broadened my view. And I, I do have much more appreciation for especially the non-clinical folks. Again, I'll go back to the pandemic times when we're redesigning rooms, redesigning spaces. We had the, the engineers, we had with them redesigning spaces for us to deliver care in a little different way, making do with what you had. You know, people that were in the back rooms were coming, oh, well, I did not realize that we had the pharmacies play such a huge role in how we take care of patients and a public security, public safety officers. It's amazing how much they offer to healthcare. So I think seeing all of that, seeing all the facets of healthcare has been one of the uh, big things that for me as a chief medical officer. Uh, but the other thing is appreciating in the medical field among the physicians and providers, there's no one that wakes up in the morning and sets out to see patients and to do harm. Everyone gets up wanting to do the best thing for the patient. And uh, understanding that in my role, I could really help many physicians, providers, nurse practitioners, advanced practitioners. I could equip them. I could support them. I could help set up processes that would allow them to achieve what they set out to do. I did not realize the, the power of that, uh, how, how much that will mean. And I tried to meet with as many on the, on the medical staff as possible, just understanding and hearing their passion, caring for patients or taking good care of people. Then you, you understand that, wow, we, we, we all have the same passion. We, we all aligned. I'll use my role, connect them with resources and tools that will help them to fulfill their purpose and what they want to do. Because at the end of the day, we're on the same page. But those are some of the things that have happened. And I've always had a huge respect for nurses. I even have a greater deal of respect for them going in my role because you see how much you go beyond the areas where you go to when you deliver care, you go to some other places and you see how much nurses mean to the patients, how much nurses mean to the doctors, how much the, the whole healthcare actually stands on the shoulders of nurses because without great nursing care, our hands are tied. Uh, there's so many things I cannot do. I will give an example. Now I go to a patient's room and the patient is getting an infusion of whatever it is and then 
let's say the, the machine is beeping and that means there's something that needs to be adjusted. I'm clueless. I can write a prescription for that medication, but the way it has been delivered, I need the nurses. I have to call the nurses to help me to set it up so that the patient can get the right medications and it can keep on flowing. So those are little things. That's what I would say about my role as a CMO, how it has changed. Well, these are excellent examples of collaboration. The last question I'll put forward to you before we wrap up is what makes a great CMO today? CMO has to be one curious, um, one to, to understand where your staff is coming from. There are so many physicians and providers that are delivering care. Many people who are sometimes trained to have your own thoughts and do things in your own way, just handle things. Um, and that has sometimes um, made people work alone. Uh, everyone has their own way of doing things. Um, but so you have to be curious to know what your team is thinking about and that your team, the physicians and the providers, which they're the ones you're dealing with the most, you often know that where they're coming from, what is their passion? How can you now help them connect? How can you connect with their passion and help them to, to actually achieve what their own goals are? Because at the end of the day, you find out that your, the goals that they have and the goals the organization has are actually the same things around the patient. So that is one you have to be very curious. You have to engage in person. In times of COVID, it was not easy to meet in person, but I had to be done meeting people where they are. Rather than having physicians come into my office, I would go into their space. I want them to just to be able to understand how they feel and provide feedback if necessary and listen. So the other thing you have to listen. You know, I think in a multitude of wisdom, there's safeties. You can get um, a lot of ideas that come in. At the end of the day, um, it's, it's very, it will be rare that you're trying to invent something that has not been done before. Mm -hmm. um, someone someone has, has, has done it and is doing it well. So just you have to listen, listen to your people and um, understand that. Another thing is understand that um, it's not just about physicians. Um, it's... Healthcare is multifaceted. You have to be willing to, to accept that there's some areas you do not know. There's some things you're not great at. So you have to be willing to learn. You learn from, from the finance team. You learn from the strategy team. You learn from the nursing team. You learn from the, the operators, from the chief CEOs. You learn from the foundation. You learn from everyone. And by, because by so doing, you, you're able to work together as a team. And there's nothing better than um, when every, everyone on the team is on the same page and then you're able to deliver together. And um, it's always tough to, as a CMO, um, because it, among the physicians, people talk about the CMOs being some of the, probably the most undesirable role because you sometimes you're put in a box that you're the police to, to, what, to make sure that the physicians do what is right. That's not what the chief medical officer role is about. It's really about helping your medical staff, your physicians and providers to achieve their goals, which is ultimately good patient care. And you can help them to do that um, more efficiently. You can help them to do that more consistently. You can help them to do that with joy, with less pain. And I think if, you can, if you're able to do that, you know, you're going to have the good time I'm having as a chief medical officer, which is uh, the joy of meeting people and seeing people succeed. One physician, you can imagine when a surgeon succeeds, 
the organization succeeds. When an ER doctor succeeds, the organization succeeds. And when an, a pediatrician takes good care of the baby, oh yes, everyone is happy. When everyone, when your team succeeds, uh, you succeed. So you focus on the success of your teams and then it will turn out to your own, own success as well. Well, this has been great. Rich with your leadership and human perspectives. Thank you so much to me for sharing your own curiosity, your humility, your inclusiveness, and your pearls about collaboration. It's been a, a great dialogue and it's been my pleasure to know you these years. So thanks for your time today. Hey, thanks, Jim. It's an honor. Thanks for inviting me. Pleasure getting to interact with you too. That was Dr. Timmy Olutare, Collaborating Differently. For our full archive of podcasts, go to jamesmckenna.org.